I've uh, been talking for a few weeks about the concept of rebuilding your world. Everybody say rebuilding your world. And uh, whether it's been pandemic-oriented or just, you know, whatever has unraveled for your life, uh, we're just, there's some great principles in this incredible book in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, uh, that where he is uh, out to rebuild the broken down walls and the burnt gates and uh, helping Jerusalem come back to uh, its, its glory that God intended for it. And I'm thinking about this idea that uh, when Nehemiah heard about uh, Jerusalem being uh, down and devastated and not doing well. The city had been that way for 90 years. Everybody say 90. 90 years. It, that's a pretty much a, a good, solid, long lifetime. And uh, I, I, th I think about this idea that uh, if you were 45 years old, if you were 50, uh, if you were 70, uh, all of your life, if you lived in Jerusalem, all you would have known is broken down walls, burnt up gates, uh, feeling insecure and unprotected. Uh, and if someone were to try to describe to you uh, a different kind of life, a different kind of existence, um, it, it, it would be hard to have a reference point because, because your whole life, all you'd ever known is broken down walls, right? Your whole life, all you'd ever known was burnt gates uh, and, and a feeling of insecurity. It, it would be hard to see the possibilities of what life could really be because you had never experienced that ever in your life. Uh, it's similar to the idea of when the Israelites came out of uh, Egyptian slavery, they had been 400 years. Now, that's a long time. Uh, and you could definitely, you know, have some generational patterns that are developing after 400 years of being a slave. Your identity would be the identity of slavery. And, and, you know, we saw that when Egypt, when Israel first came out of Egypt, they struggled so much because they were coming out of slavery, but it was hard to get slavery out of them. And, and, and I know that uh, there are people that the only thing they know is a dysfunctional family. The only thing they know is struggling with addiction. The only thing they know is poverty and barely making it. The only thing they know is hardship or betrayal. So when you start to describe a Bible kind of life that's full of peace, that's full of joy, that's full of love, that's full of victory, a, a life that's full of blessing and favor and generosity and that you can live on the upside, the positive side, the grateful side of life, that's hard for people to imagine. And I think that's why we, we are always having to adjust our thinking to the Bible 
rather than trying to adjust the Bible to my self-image of a slave, right? Or, 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 or my self-image of, of the walls that have always been broken down. And so uh, what I want to talk about today is this idea that in the rebuilding of Jerusalem, uh, there were walls that were broken down and there were gates that were destroyed or burned. And this is how it was kind of fed to Nehemiah when he asked his brother Hananiah what's going on. Nehemiah 1.3 at the beginning of it all, this is what kind of birthed the vision in Nehemiah. Uh, they said to me, the remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are burned with fire. And uh, Nehemiah chapter 3, which can seem to be an arduous sort of chapter, one of those Bible chapters that, you know, so-and-so did this, the cousin of so-and-so, the grandson of so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, did this. But what Nehemiah chapter 3 does, and I'll just give you a couple verses, but you see this through the whole chapter, it describes that there were 10 different gates that were uh, repaired around Jerusalem. So Nehemiah 3.1, Eliashab, the high priest, arose with his brothers. The priest built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. Uh, Nehemiah 3.6, Joida, the son of Passiah, and Meshulam, the son of Basidia, something like that, repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and its bars. So there were, there were literally 10 gates around the city that needed to be repaired. Uh, and uh, so there's, there's walls that went around Jerusalem that were there for protection uh, and for structure. And then there were these different gates all around the city that needed to be repaired. Uh, what the Bible tells us in the story of Nehemiah is that there was lumber, new lumber, that was gathered to repair the gates, but that the walls were put together with the, the rubble, the burnt stones. Um, new lumber used to repair gates, old stones, old burnt stones and rubble uh, used to put the wall back together. And, and I think it's an interesting picture to, to understand that the, the need for something that's old and older than you and something that is new and fresh, you need both, boss, going on in, in your life. And the walls were, that were actually rebuilt out of burnt stones. I just want to say to you that God can and God does actually use the rubble in your life and the burnt stones and the broken places in your life. And, and, and let me just say that, you know, a lot of us, we want our story to be void of hurts and disappointments and struggles. But can I just say to you that that's a part of everybody's story. That it's, not, it's not like you're alone in that, and it's not like you should even condemn yourself for that because 
our hurts and our disappointments and our struggles and our testimony, our own failures are a part of our story. I can remember going through a particularly difficult season 15 years ago or so, and I'm, I know it's true that this is part of my story, but I don't, I'm telling God I'm not liking this part of the story very well. But here's, here's what I know. Your mess can become your message. Your test can become your testimony. And God's touch on our wounds, the, the truth is the healing power of God flows through the wounds of Jesus. And uh, it was by the stripes that he bore. God can take every broken part of our life and use it for his glory. Come on, anybody glad about that? The New Testament tells us this way, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, or that word could be encouragement, who, who encourages us or comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So no matter what is going on, even if you feel like you're going through something difficult right now, there is encouragement from heaven. There is comfort from heaven. And God is going to use that to use you for great things to happen. And, and you know, this, this idea of, 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 of rebuilding the walls and repairing the gates... Everyone needs the gates and the walls repaired in their life somewhere. Uh, the walls are the protection, the, the, the structure, the boundaries of our life. Uh, I loved Nikki Gumbel's story in the Bible in one year, just a couple days ago, actually. He was talking about how there was a ref that was uh, supposed to show up for a soccer game, and the ref was running late, so they picked him to do it, and he didn't know how to referee a game. And soon, chaos ensued because there wasn't somebody to go, here's the boundary, that's a foul, you can't do that. So by the time the real ref showed up, there were kids that were laying hurt all over the field. There was chaos. There was all kinds of stuff. Hey, listen, you, we, we need some legit boundaries to help us live. We, we, need, we need the walls of what's right and wrong, what's in bounds and what's out of bounds. And if there has ever been a day to hold on to the idea that the Bible gives us clarity about life because there are concepts that are being thrown out at us from all over the place that would want to, would, would literally create chaos in situations. Uh, and so I, I saw this thing the other day, uh, it's on the Weather Channel app, and um, it was a picture that it looked like this ship was actually 
flying. But it's really an optical illusion that is created by some kind of temperature gradient thing that makes your eye think that the ship is flying, but in actuality, actuality it's not. Come on, if you think your brain is enough to decide what's good about life, you are sorely mistaken because there can be some optical illusions that would fool the heck out of you. And you got to understand that there's some walls that are good. There are some boundaries that are good. Uh, there's some structure that is good. It's not about any kind of legalism. It's about having walls around your life. I like this uh, passage in, in Proverbs, Proverbs 25, verse 38 says, like a city that's broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Part of the structure of all of our lives that brings peace to our life, that brings um, prosperity and blessing to our life is understanding that my spirit is my responsibility. In other words, it's nobody else's job to make me happy, right? No, nobody else can do my push-ups, right? Nobody else can read the Bible for me. Nobody else can have a prayer life for me. Nobody can eat right for me. Nobody can worship for me. My spirit is my responsibility. So I'm the one that chooses, am I going to worship? Am I going to get offended? Uh, am, am I going to believe the lies? It is my spirit that creates the life, the structure of my life. Psalm uh, 122, verse 7, I just like this verse. May peace be within your walls. Come on, anybody up for that, right? And prosperity within your palaces. Even if your palace is a one-bedroom apartment and you just got married, let prosperity be in your palaces, right? So the walls were rebuilt with burnt stones and rubble, but the, the gates were rebuilt with new lumber. And... And keeping those two ideas both boss alive inside of us that, that there are some parts of our life we have to go, I need, I need structure in my life to, to bring my life into what it's supposed to be, but also to understand that maybe God wants to give you fresh new gates. Gates, gates is where things come in. Gates is where things go out. Right? How many of you could take something fresh coming in? How many of you could recognize maybe something fresh could go out? So the definition of a gate is a gate is a movable structure controlling entrance or exit through an opening in a fence or a wall or any means of entrance. Gates are the place of entrance. Gates are the place of exit. Gates is where things flow in. 
Gates is where things flow out. Now, I don't want to be too simplistic about this, but I really want us to understand you can't live a great life unless there's fresh coming in and fresh going out. A a great life, a meaningful life, breathes in and breathes out. Gates are entryways into new rooms, entryways into new places in life, entryways into new levels. And the gates of our lives, which is not like the days of our lives, the gates of our lives (laughs) is there are battles that go on at the gates. There are gates that need repair in each of our lives. So just a few verses to, uh, to walk through uh, without commentary maybe. But uh, here's some of the Bible verses that would talk about gates. Genesis 28, 17, Jacob was having his dream he was, he was afraid and said, hey, how awesome in this place, this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Come on, you've heard me preach this forever and a day. And as long as you're around, I'm going to keep preaching it. The house of God is the gate of heaven. It's, it's how people get in. It's, it's how God gets out, <laughs> right? Matthew 16, 18, I also say to you that you are a Peter, Jesus talking, Upon this rock, the rock of revelation, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, shall not overpower it. And I know some people think, oh, that's gates, and gates are passive, but really the truth is the gates of a city were a place of authority. So the authority of hell will never overpower the church. I said the authority of hell will never, ever overpower the church. Genesis 22, verse 17, uh, God speaking to Abraham, indeed, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens, as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. Psalm 24, verse 7, lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors that the king of glory may come in. Isaiah 62, 10, go through, go through the gates. Clear the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Remove the stones, lift up a standard over the peoples. So all I can say is you gotta be able to see that the concept of a gate is a pretty important concept. There are clearly spiritual gates, entrance ways into new realms, uh, that gates are how God flows. Open up the gates. Let the king of glory come in. The house of God is a gate of heaven. Hell has gates. We can possess the gates of our enemies 
which, could I remind you, is never people, right? <laughs> you might think, oh, I've got somebody in mind. No, the enemies, the enemies of, of fear, the, the enemies of insecurity, the, the enemies of curse, the enemies of addiction, those things, the Bible says we can possess the gates of our enemies. Amen. <clears throat> There are gates, you walk through gates to get to new levels. You, you lift up gates for the king of glory to enter through. You know how God gets on the planet? Through you, through me. That's the way he does it. There's a battle going on in the gates, for the gates. And so Isaiah 62 is an incredible chapter of Scripture, which I would encourage you to read. And it gives us this prophetic picture uh, of gates and walls being restored. And I want to take a minute and just and, and walk through just a few verses in Isaiah 62 and describe a couple of things. Isaiah 62, 1, for Zion's sake, whenever you see the word Zion, it is God's gathered people. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that's burning. All the nations will see your righteousness. All the kings will see your glory. You'll be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. I love this idea that God is constantly telling us this is your new name. <laughs> this is your identity. Don't keep answering to the old names. It, it's not, you know what? It's not what people call you. It's what you answer to. And you got, you've got to get this idea that you've been called by a new name. You know, my, our new name is blessed. Yeah, our new name is highly favored. Our new name is joyful. Our new name is forgiven. Our new name is loved. So you got to get the, the identity part right. I'm getting to the gates and the walls. Just give me a minute. It's just too good of stuff here. Isaiah 62 verse 3 you'll also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. Come on. Everybody say, I am beautiful. You weren't really convinced about that, were you? A royal diadem in the hand of your God, it will no longer be said to you, forsaken. Have you ever felt forsaken? Nor to your land will it any longer be said, desolate. Whew. You'll be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and to him your land will be married. I love this idea of the land being married to the Lord. I know people want to go, a church doesn't, you know, a building, it all doesn't matter, but let me just say that the earth is made up of pieces of land, and when you own a piece of land, you establish your presence. And 
And I remember years ago when the guy visited our church and said, God wants to pour out the Methodist spirit. The Methodists had a great revival in the late 1800s, and God wants to pour that out on your church. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I didn't really move to Asheville, Suzette and I, to, you know, to have the Methodist spirit poured out on our church. So I kind of forgot about it. We're going to buy this piece of land that we're on right now. And the owner says, you know what? Interesting thing. This piece of land is where the Methodists used to hold their camp meetings in the late 1800s. And there was a powerful move of God in the late 1800s in Western North Carolina. And all of a sudden, I I realized we are the answer to the prayers of a previous generation. The Rock Church, however imperfect it is, is being used by God to write spiritual history in Asheville. And it's, it's my story. It's our story. It's our identity. And not only are we the answer to the prayers where our land is married to the Lord, Not only are we the answer to the prayers of a previous generation, but we are praying prayers right now for the next generation. We're establishing a a foundation for the next generation. Come on, this is why if you think kids' ministry is just about babysitting children so adults can listen to a message, you're missing the point entirely. And the reason that we have youth ministry reaching middle schoolers, high schoolers, and put a lot into it is because the next generation matters a lot. And there is a battle at the gate for the next generation. Isaiah 62, verse 6, we we'll drop down to that. On your walls, there we go. On your walls, O Jerusalem. On your walls, O Asheville, on your walls, O Western North Carolina, I have appointed watchmen all day, all night. They will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Asheville a praise in the earth. Come on. Come on, who join me? Read this with me. Read this with me. I will not be silent, nor will I give my God any rest until he makes Asheville a praise in the earth. Come on. Hey, listen. This is why we pray. This is why we worship. This is why we serve. This is why we give. This is why we reach out. Set as watchmen on the walls of Asheville. So Isaiah 62.10 says this, go through, go through the gates. Everybody say the gates. Clear the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Remove the stones, lift up a standard 
over the peoples. I love this. When we go through the gates, we clear the way. When somebody has broken through to a new level, it helps other people break through, right? You look at somebody else and say, if they can lose weight, I can lose weight, right? You know, if, if, if they can have a happy marriage, I can have a happy marriage. Can you hear me? If they can stay faithful, I can stay faithful, right? And, and we're all, we're all gonna encounter gates that we have to walk through if we're gonna move forward in God. We're all gonna have to look at gates in our life that need repair. Recognize there are gates in our life that there is a battle over that gate. The gate of fear. People walk up to the gate of fear and they're like, I want to, I want to go to church, but fear of fear of failure, fear of what others might think. Fear of succeeding because then you know you might need to keep it up. Fears of new levels. Come on, you walk up to a gate of fear and there's got to be something in you that says, I can't let my fear keep running my life. And I'm not talking about being ignorant, stupid, jumping off cliffs, but I am saying there are times where you got to repair that gate and you got to be able to walk through. Uh, I think another gate that we all have to recognize is the gate of who is your source. Come on, there's many channels that God can use, but God is your source. I remember uh, several years ago, in the early days of our church, our biggest giver, biggest financial giver in our church, got offended with something, tried to spread rumors about us, said, taking my giving, I'm going somewhere else, and tried to let other people know why they should. And I'm like, oh, boy, I had to go through the gate of ticked off. But I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me, because he was a pretty significant giver. And the Holy Spirit speaking to me and said, don't confuse his assistance with your calling. You know, and... We stand up here often to try to teach you guys the beauty and the power of honoring God with tithe. And it's, the, it's that gate. Is God my provider? Is God my source? Can I honor God with my first and best? That people stop at that gate. And they, they, they either need to walk through the gate, repair the gate, win the battle at the gate. Come on, there's another gate, the gate of disappointment. Ever been disappointed in yourself? Hello? Ever been disappointed in somebody? Come on, have you ever been disappointed with God? Everybody has. And 
What do you do when you reach that gate? How do you, how do you do? Because if you let disappointment make all your decisions, you're going to live in a very small, tiny little world. Another gate is the gate of offense. Offense happens. Offended is your choice. So you walk up to the gate and somebody says something, does something that you get hurt. And if you let that, that hurt get in your spirit, you, you start bleeding on people who didn't cut you. you. When that hurt, that offense gets in your spirit, it will affect everything. It will affect your outlook. It will affect your words. It will affect your behavior. It will affect everything. I think one of the gates we're all going to get to walk through in the seasons right in front of us is the gate of new thinking. Because <laughs> whether we want to admit it or not, the great reset is on. What are, what's church going to look like? What's the world going to look like? And I'm encouraging all of us when we repair the gates, the, the flow in, the flow out, when we go through the gates, when we win the battle at the gates, I just, I just want us to understand that it's not just about you. When you go through, it makes a way for others to go through. Because that's what Isaiah 62 is telling us. Yeah, when, you, when you go through, go through the gates, you clear the way. You build up the highway. You remove the stones. You lift up a standard for people to go, wow, look what God can do. I want to pray with you today. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. Father, all of us walk up to gates, and we're looking at them, Lord, and we want to walk through. We want to prepare. God, we want to win the battle of authority at the gates of our life, the places where things come in, the places where things flow out. God, I'm praying for every person. Oh, God, could we be... Uh, a body of believers, could we each individually be people who breathe in deeply and breathe out deeply? Father, that you are using us for your glory. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, maybe you're here today and uh, you are not good with your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've never surrendered to Jesus or maybe you have been close to Jesus, but you know right now you're not in the, the place you want to be, the place you know you could be or should be. Maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand with God. I want to take a minute. Nobody's looking around. You're watching online. I don't know what situation you find yourself in right now, but honestly, in this moment, would you open your heart to let Jesus Christ walk in, walk through the gate into your heart, be the Lord of your life, be the lover of your soul. If anybody's here and you say, Pastor, I, I know I'm not right with the Lord. I've never done that before, surrendered to him, or 
I've kind of slipped away or I've chosen to go away or whatever reason you're not connected in the way you want to be and though you could be, you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want you to raise your hand real high and just say, that, that's me. I, I want to I be right with God. I want, I want things to be right between myself and Jesus. All over the room, lift your hand. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Thank you for everybody who lifted their hand, but I would like everybody to pray this with me. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life. I open my heart. I open my world to your love, to your Lordship. I want you. I need you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I come to the cross where you have paid the price for forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen.